Revelation chapter number uh, 18. <clears throat> Last week, if you remember, I'm sure that you will, we looked at Mystery Babylon in Revelation chapter number 17. And we looked at, really, we went all the way back into Genesis, if you remember. We looked at Genesis 11, and we looked at the beginning of what we call false mystery Babylonian religion that is uh, um, invaded and permeated all the false religious systems, has, has set up in really what is a works-based system in its mentality. And we looked at that. We looked at the, the whore and really what it represented. The mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth and how that she had influenced. And we looked at Genesis 11 and how the Tower of Babel, that God came down and he scattered them and judged them with languages, but then they were sent out. Well, they took those practices with them. And those practices went out around the world. And you'll see traces of this across the world system of those uh, stargazing temples and, and places all, all across. That's why you have, you know, this this commonality of this flood story, this epoch story, but also you have the story of the mother-child type thing. And you'll see it and people say, well, that's, you know, that's an evidence that Christianity is not real. In fact, it's an evidence that Christianity is real because in Genesis 11, it tells us about this place where this thing was being promoted that was false, that, that went out and they took it with them. So you, you would expect this commonality around the people groups of the world. And often it goes back here to mystery Babylon and certainly false religion springs out of it, the worship of the sun, the moon and the stars. And you can see that across all the idolatrous systems. That there is this worship of sun, moon, and stars, you know, from the Egyptians to the Romans to Islam to uh, Wicca, pagan, whatever it may be, the solstice, druids, everything. You can see it everywhere. And it all goes back to Genesis 11 and Mystery Babylon. But what we're going to look at tonight is, is material Babylon in Revelation 18. Because, yes, Babylon symbolizes to us this uh, epitome of this evil system of false religion. But it also has behind it this commercial system that the world is sought after or seeking after and has failed for in terms of its desire for success and monetary influence across the world. Just like we said that, that Hollywood is a physical location but it pictures a system behind it. Like Vegas will say Sin City or, or Hollywood. You know, we, It's the place where the movies are made and the movie stars live. But when we say Hollywood, there's a connotation with it of a perverse system that is, is in place there. When we think about material Babylon, it's almost the same type of concept when we think about Wall Street. So if I say to you Wall Street, what would you associate with Wall Street. Money, influence, banking, but it's a physical location in New York, right? But the name carries with it something. So when we're thinking about Babylon, there's this aspect of Babylon that it carries through the ages because, you know, it's, it's, it's so often true, isn't it? Follow the money and you'll find the heart of the evil. Money is inanimate, but the love of money is what men fall for and follow and have done through the ages. So in chapter 18, there's a lot of references to Babylon's commercial activity. Revelation 17, although it doesn't specifically say it, we can deduce it from what it's talking about, about the whore of Babylon that's dealing with the religious side of 
Babylon. Now we're dealing with the material side, the commercial activity. And really, it's really just Genesis 11 being manifested and shown to us. In Revelation 17, it's a, it's a continuation on from Genesis 11 that man can get to God by himself. What's that? It's works-based salvation. And that's what the whore of Babylon offers in Revelation 17. In Revelation 18, it's the same concept that is carried on from Genesis 11 in Babylon of the desire to glorify self. It's this humanistic element of poor and success and riches and material wealth on ourselves. This is just uh, uh, Nimrod's teaching from Babel all those years ago, which is just a follow-on from his ultimate master who came to the garden in Genesis 3 and tried to sow that seed into human thought and very successfully did it. The birth of humanism. You can be as God. You can make your way there. You can make your way successful. And the, the lie was sown all those years ago that it was about us and not about God. Revelation 17 and 18 talks about the complete destruction of Babylon. Number one, in the religious system in Revelation 17. And number two, in the commercial system in Revelation 18. And it's that commercial system that we're going to look at. And we're going to see that it's judged by God. Now, there's three reasons for the judgment. The first reason, uh, the first three aspects of the judgment. The first we're going to look at is the reason for the judgment. So we're going to look at first number uh, 1 to 8. There it is. Lovely jubbly. Uh, Revelation 18 verses 1 to 8. And we're going to have a look. First of all, I want to say to you as we work our way through this text that it says there in verse number 1, And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Some commentators will come along and say that this is the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with them. They could be right and I could be wrong. It's very unlikely. But, well, let me tell you why I don't think it's Christ. Because number one, it says, I saw another angel. It means another of the same kind. So there's my first point. Uh, we've already seen the, this kind of uh, angelic uh, announcement or this angelic um, presence before in Revelation. Secondly, it says, coming down from heaven with heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And it's really that last little bit that people want to hang on and say, this is, this is Christ. Well, number one, um, this angel has great power and authority. I believe that. But um, that doesn't mean that this have, angel having great power is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because angels can have great power as ordained by God. No problem with that. And actually, if we want to be pernickety about it, we want to get into the details of it. Jesus doesn't have great power. He has all power. He's all power. He says, the earth was lightened with his glory. This angel's just come from the presence of God. No doubt, reflecting the glory of God. Look at what happened to Moses and the little exposure that he had. So again, we don't have to go any, we don't have to try and put Christ where he's not. Christ is coming He's coming. Just wait, hold on a chapter. He's on his way. But this isn't him. This isn't him, I don't believe. Anyway, that said, we want to have a look at the um, judgment 
of uh, the system of judgment of commercial or material Babylon. And John's given three reasons here um, for the judgment. So there's three reasons for the judgment. First of all, the magnitude of Babylon's sins is laid out. Look at verse 2. And he cried mightily with a strong voice. So again, this is indicating the seriousness and the depth of this judgment. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So again, it's, it's really picturing that this fall has come and it's finally been given over to the totality of, of this demonic worship. But it doesn't come overnight. It's a build-up. And one of the reasons for the judgment is the magnitude of her sin that she's given over to demonism and depravity. Truly Babylon is a God-forsaken place. No doubt about it. Verse 3 tells us, For all nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. It's the influence that Babylon has had. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. This is the headquarters of depravity. And her philosophy has influenced all the nations. This, this total concept of, of greed. Lack of morality. This unholy, ungodlike system has influenced many. Because of that, she's being judged. She's being judged. Verses 4 and 6 tell us about the measure of her sins. So if one of the reasons is the magnitude of her sins, verses 4 and 6 tell us about the measurement of her sins. Notice at verse 4, there's enticement there, and it says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye have received not of her plague. So there's the warning from heaven. Remember, really, that this is the culmination that leads to the fall of Babylon. We're in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. There are not many believers on earth, but there are those that are God's people. And the warning from heaven is, be not partakers. Come out of her, my people. That she is an enticing system. You know, we take the, the spiritual aspect of the, the prostitute. She's an enticer. Same as the commercial system. And the warning from heaven is to not fall from the enticement, to come out of her. And so, but here's what I want to take, the application, and I want to, I want to say this, not particularly to anybody in here, but it's good to hear this. So hopefully somebody's listening to this online that has maybe caught or feels trapped in this system, whether it be the false religious system or the false commercial system. Whether in one of these great denominations that has fallen away from God. Here's what I want to say. You are not commanded to stay there and change that. The doctrine of separation is clear from scripture from start to finish. And God's warning is do not stay in that place. Come out. Get away from it because it will entice you. It will corrupt you. You will not fix it. Many brave people have, have took on the challenge to try and fix Roman Catholicism from the inside. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to get a medal for that. God says, get out of it. Touch not the unclean thing. Come out of it. Come away. Don't fall for it. 
Because ultimately it will drag you down. It is bigger than you. And the gravity that it exudes, it will pull you in and keep you in. And actually you won't change a thing. So here's my cry to anybody that's listening. If you're born again and you're struggling in a place that's not teaching the word of God, come out and go somewhere that is. It is. That's not me being divisive. That's me saying, God doesn't want you to sit in that. Especially what's going on with this same-sex marriage stuff. I'm sorry to keep harking back to that, but that's the big thing today. I'm going to fix that. You need to get away from that. Come out of it. Babylon's enticing. Look at verse 5. We see the enormity of her sins. For her sins, think about this, have reached unto heaven. Now, think about the play of words here, church. What have we been banging on about? <laughs> Say banging on, that makes it. <laughs> what, have, what, have been, what have I been sharing with you from, from about Babylon? Where was its roots? Yeah, Babel. Where was that? Genesis 11. What was that to be? A tower to heaven. What's God say here in its judgment? <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Your sins have reached heaven. Such is the magnitude and the enormity of her sins. Your sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Isn't that a coincidental statement? This is the thing coming full circle. Be careful what you wish for. God will give you over to it. And then you will get where you want to be. And ultimately that place will lead you to face the wrath of God. Sins have reached unto heaven. This is the same as it was in Noah's day. Where God looked upon the hearts of men and was grieved. What happened? Sins had reached heaven. Same with Sodom and Gomorrah. With Nineveh. There comes a time when the sins of a nation or a city reach to heaven and actually cry aloud for God to act. I say that as a warning cry to this nation too. We keep going the way we're going. We keep saying that evil's good and good's evil. As a nation, we will pay the price. There's no doubt about that. For here, Babylon's time has come. Such is the enormity of her sins. Look at verse 6 and 7. See the end of her sins. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, that she had said in her heart, I sit a queen, and I'm no widow. And she'll need, see no sorrow. With this double portion of wrath. Exactly what's deserved. Look what it says in verse 6. She hath filled, filled her fill to her double. For she has said in her heart, verse 7. This is not God unfairly judging. This is judgment that has been heaped and heaped. And heaped upon their own heads because of the actions of this sinful system. In ancient times, Babylon as a, as a nation had trampled down Jerusalem. And the psalmists give voice to this. If you turn to Psalm, well, turn to Psalm 137, verse 8 and 9.
psalmist crying out to God to act in justice sees its fulfillment, ultimate fulfillment here in Revelation 18. Psalm 137 verse 8 reads, O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. The psalmist cries out for judgment against Babylon for its actions upon Israel. And although Babylon was judged in an immediate sense, in the ultimate sense, everything that that kingdom stood for will be judged when Babylon, the religious and the commercial system of this antichrist rule and reign is judged and she will receive all that's coming to her and more. God is not to be trifled with and God is not to be mocked. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And boy, oh boy, will he repay. So there's the magnitude of her sins, the measure of her sins. Look at verse 7. The madness of her sin. How much she's glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she said in her heart, I sit a queen. I'm no widow and shall see no sorrow. I like what John Phillips wrote about this. So he said it that well that I'm just going to read it to you. But he said this in his commentary on Revelation. Babylon will enjoy the good life, but even the opulent standard of living that is ours and by which is the envy of the world will be surpassed a thousand times by that of Babylon. Babylon will be the Laodicea of the cities of the world, rich and increased in goods and feeling her need of nothing. It will be the rich fool of the nations saying, I have much goods laid up for many years. I will eat, drink and be merry with a crown upon her head and a consort at her side, and with swelling confidence in her heart, this queen of cities will mock at the thought of judgment, or more likely will not even entertain the thought. But when it comes, in a single day, the vengeance of God, and I love this little phrase, damned back through the millennia of time. Just God in his grace, his put this down but the judgment's building and it's building and it's building and it's building and it's building until God removes it and lets the judgment pour the plagues come howling through her streets sweeping her markets with death leaving an anguished cry of mourning wailing in their wake as Jonah striding through Nineveh with a message of unmitigated doom brought that city to its knees so these swift-paced heralds of God, these dire plagues will bring Babylon to the dust in ruin beyond repair. Babylon is going to be judged. The reason for the judgment is the magnitude of her sin. This is absolute just judgment. That's the reasons for Babylon's judgment. And let's have a look then next at the reaction to the judgment, and this is, takes us through verse 9 all the way through to verse 19. So two basic reactions that are found off the back of this judgment. 
Number one, there's those that are grieved. So we're going to have a look at those. And there's three sets of people groups that are grieved. Look at verse 9, and we'll find that the monarchs are grieved. And the kings of the earth, who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament her, for they will see the smoke, or they shall see the smoke of her burning. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour thy judgment is thy judgment come. So these monarchs, these kings of the earth, who have cozied up to this Babylonian system, wail and mourn as this uh, pinnacle of human effort. This is the, remember, the, the antitype to Jerusalem, to God's place. This is the devil's place. And every place of the devil is a workspace system. It is counterfeit to God. And this system falls down and those that have invested in it, those that have cozied up to it, those that have put their life into it, wail and mourn and stand afar off, watching as a city is raised to the ground and everything that it symbolizes comes crashing down. And all the resources, all the technology, all the power are unable to do a single thing to stop the judgment of God. You know, I just oftentimes, if you watch, I'm going to laugh here, but I'm at a season in my life, I've said this all week, but this is, this is the truth. I am at a season in my life where I watch documentaries, historical, generally war stuff. That's just where I'm at. Right? It is what it is. I am here, I'm, I'm at the age where I'm at, and I, I just like to watch that sort of stuff now. But when you're watching these documentaries, and, and we were watching a film uh, last night, just and um, just about the First World War, just horrendous stuff. But when you watch some documentaries about you know the things that go on, especially the ones about natural disasters, you know you watch any of the tsunami ones or whatever it may be, and you know even even the earthquakes that's gone on this week, he's just so high powerless and helpless as man to do anything. We think we're so amazing. But actually, when things like that happen, we're all over the place. We're all over the place. And it's a similar sight, you know, that despite the amount of much money we have on the bank, despite the, how uh, much we've prospered as, as a human race, when judgment comes, when God is moving and doing what he's doing to Babylon, there's nothing that can be done other than to sit and bewail it and watch it go up in smoke. So the kings of the earth, those aligned with the beast of Revelation 13, no doubt to have helped sponsor the founding and building of the city. Watch it burn and sit back. So here we have the monarchs. Then we have the merchants, verse 11 to 16. It says, And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. This is the heart of the system. It's not about the people. It's about the profit. The merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet, all they thine in wood, all they manner of vessels of ivory, vessels of most precious wood, of brass and iron and marble, cinnamon and odors and ointments, frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses, chariots and slaves and souls of men. And the fruits of thy soul lusted after 
or departed from thee, and all the things which were dainty and goodly departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchant of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off from the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, again there's that phrase, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple, scarlet, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. So those that have made money off this system bewail it, not because of the loss of human life that's happening in around this time, but simply that their money train has dried up. Everything that they've put their life into, that is their life, has been taken away and they can do nothing about it except sit and wail from the sidelines. So the monarchs are wailing. The merchants are wailing. Then verse 17, we'll see the mariners are wailing. I love alliteration. Verse 17, for in one hour so get riches come to naught. It says, every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, as many trade by sea, stood afar off. When they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? They cast dust on their heads. They cried, weeping, wailing, saying again, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour she is made desolate. So the reaction to the judgment, first of all, there are these people that are grieved, those that are invested in this very earthly, worldly system. The kings, the monarchs, the merchants, those that have trade routes and, and shipping routes and the mariners, they all wheel. And all they can do is wheel. There's nothing they can do to stop what God is doing. And they stand from afar and all they can say is in one hour it has been taken away. And they've got nothing. They've got nothing. Their system has been destroyed. Praise God. This is God pouring out his judgment. This system that today looks like it's on top. This system that today looks like it's winning the war. Will come to naught. And there will be those that are grieved. Alas, alas. That great city has fallen. But there's another group. There are those that are glad. And look at verse 20. It says rejoice over her. Number one. Thy heaven. That's the first group. So in heaven, what does that include at this point? It includes all the martyred saints of the church. The church is there. The tribulation saints are there. The angelic host is there. The Old Testament saints are there. Every single believer that's not on earth, that has been on earth from the start, will be in heaven. And heaven will rejoice. That this system that set itself up against God, led from the, by the deceiver at the beginning in Genesis 3, formulated by organized false worship in Genesis 11, gone through the ages of time and is now fallen. It is judged by God. The system that has killed the saints, that has persecuted the saints, that has tried to trot upon the saints, 
God has answered every prayer from the psalmist to the one that cries today to the song we sung this morning, How Long, O Lord, How Long, O Lord. And heaven rejoices. Who else rejoices? And ye holy apostles. They're rejoicing at this. They fought against this system. They faced this system. And then also what? The prophets. What's this tell me? This is the kit and kimpoodle. Every single person of faith rejoices at the fall of this wicked and idolatrous system. So we have the reason for the judgment, the measurement of our sin, the magnitude of our sin. We've got the reaction of the judgment, those that were grieved and those that were gladdened. And then finally, we've got the result of our judgment. Let's look at verses 21 there, and we'll see the violence of our fall. Verse 21, And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. So you picture the, the picture the, the scene. This is this illustrative language trying to show us how swift uh, the destruction is, how horrific the destruction is. You know, if you get a huge big stone, he doesn't love to. Maybe this is a man thing. <laughs> You get, you get water, anywhere water, and there's a big massive stone and you can lift it and you want to throw it down and throw it in there as hard as you can so it smashes into the water and you get the big reaction. That's the imagery that John's using. That's the judgment of Babylon. That's how violent it's going to be and it's going to be in an hour. God is swiftly going to destroy this. This system that has come to its pinnacle after thousands of years. You know, from Genesis 11 all the way through time, we're getting to the, the tribulation period, whenever that is, that has reached its pinnacle. It's like it's at the top of its success. Church is gone. Antichrist is on earth. Most of the world has fallen for a system. It's the pinnacle. And God comes in in one hour and completely smashes it. Like the temp in Boland, the Skittles are Babylon. God comes in and he wheels it down. The, the Bowl and bowl of his wrath. What a terrible illustration that is. But anyway, and smashes it. Smashes it. So that it's not standing at all. It's a violent fall. And also then, verse 22 and 23, it's a fast fall. It says, And the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. Silence. No craftsmen. Of whatever craft he be, shall be found any more in her. The sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. The whiz and motion of industry and commercial success have stopped. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries, thy pharmacia, were all nations deceived this is the vastness of the fall it's complete it's a violent fall it's a vast fall but ultimately verse 24 and this finishes us up it's a valid fall it's a valid fall look at what verse 24 says and in her was found the blood of the prophets 
and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Her fall was just. God has stored up his judgment. God doesn't forget. God doesn't ignore. Everyone is accounted. That dam of his wrath against this commercial system is dam now. But there's coming a time that God will remove the bricks of that dam and allow his judgment to fall upon Babylon. And it will be just. There will be no argument. This will not be unfair. Babylon will get everything that she deserves for all that she has done to the people of God throughout the ages. The fall is valid. The fall is vast. And the fall is going to be violent. She will reap all that she has sown. Silence in Babylon. But we're now moving into chapter number 19. And out of the silence, out of the gloom, comes the glory. Because what we'll see, we'll read verse 1 of chapter 19 by way of introduction for next time round, which says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honour and power unto the Lord our God. We're going to have a look at these hallelujah courses that ring out. Because what's happening now, the system has been judged. And the king who's going to take up the throne, not of Babylon, but Jerusalem, as promised all those years ago to David and the Davidic covenant, the king is coming. And that is cause for rejoicing. So we leave it there tonight, and here's what I want you to take away. When you look at the world today, when you look at Babylon, and you're seeing it before your very eyes, everywhere you look in the world, Babylon religiously, Babylon commercially, is everywhere. And it may look like it's getting the upper hand. It may look like it's getting on top of the people of God. It may look like it's going to win. I can tell you categorically, it will not win. Because God is going to deal with the world system. Let's pray.